Investing with IBD is brought to you by Alliance Bernstein, a global investment manager offering active, flexible solutions across asset classes. ABS the tools and expertise investors need to get their portfolios ready to navigate late-cycle investing. To find out more, visit abfunds.com. Okay, hello everybody. Welcome to Investing with IBD for April 10th, 2019. I'm your host, Arusha Pierce. And joining me in the studio this week is Scott St. Clair. He's a product coach of MarketSmith, an investor studying the system for over 20 years, and also star of the MarketSmith monthly webinar, Stay in Step with the Market. Thanks for being here, Scott. Thanks, Bob. Nice to be here. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about the current market, portfolio management, and we will end the episode with a discussion of current stocks. Uh, so, Scott, let's start off with the current market. Market continues to be in an uptrend. Uh, we have four distribution days on the NASDAQ, five on the S&P 500, but market continues to act well. Yeah, it's just kind of grinding higher, right? Above all the moving averages. Um, you know, sentiment is probably, you know, lukewarm at best. Uh, it's kind of caught everybody off guard, and that's kind of what the market does. It catches you off guard, right? The weakness in December probably caught a lot of people off guard. It was so poor. And then the strength coming back so far is, you know, caught everybody off guard that way too. Yeah, and and, and it's just such a another great reminder of why we have rules yeah. because any logical person, especially a, a someone who knows how to read charts, they're going to think that hey, we had such a vicious sell-off, you're going to have some kind of dead dead cat bounce and then a retest of the lows. Yeah. But that's the standard thought process, right? And that's why we just interpret, right? You hear that a lot. Day to day, what's the market doing? You know, nobody knows where the market's going to go. I often tell people, that not the Fed chairman, not the president, not anybody. Nobody knows. And so you're better off with the information you have. And the information you have is day to day. Just watch it and see what's happening every day. And not that you have to make a decision every day or change your portfolio every day, but you really should be aware of, of the day to day action, especially in the indexes counting the distribution days or just read the big picture. Yeah, and this is almost a perfect environment for our kind of stocks too. It's climbing a wall of worry, grinding higher, but underneath it, it's, so it's been just kind of a, a steady climb, but underneath it, a lot of our kind of stocks yeah. have just been going through the There's roof. Been a lot of great canceling type stocks. Um, we'll probably show a few later on today, but is, is uh, the, um, the ETF, the 50, which I think we have a chart of as well, you can see it's done really well coming off those lows. I think the IBD 50 is up, what, 22% year to date? Something like that. It might even be more than yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, I think that was Friday when I, when I was looking. But we also, I showed you earlier, what was interesting is, you know, the indexes year to date and the 50 have all done really well. But what was the, the last 26, right, the last 26 weeks? was just slightly positive for, for uh, the ETF. And, and some of the indexes in the last 26 weeks are basically unchanged. Yeah, so here, here are some stats here. Uh, well, the NASDAQ year-to-date, 18.9%. Uh, and I, I think this table was take, taken maybe Friday. from Friday, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it, so NASDAQ's up almost 19% for the year. But if you look over half a year, when you take into account that big sell-off and then the, the rebound, it's only a 0.2% yeah. when you compare it. S&P, 14.9%, down 0.8% for those. Uh, and and so, yeah, it's been a really, really strong market. But I, I like looking also at that 26 weeks because it, it really emphasizes our strategy, too, where in the fall, 
we were we were getting out yes. we were protecting ourselves and we didn't ride it all the way down and then once we got the fall today on january 4th we slowly methodically kept going buying as more and more stocks broke out and so we were able to participate in a bunch of this run too. Exactly. That's one of the, the great things about the, the IBD's market philosophy. Look, if it chops back and forth, you know, we're going to get chopped up too. There's nothing we can do about that. But you're never going to go down with the ship if you follow the rules. Right. So in 2000, you know, I was there investing and, did, and locked in a lot of the gains using the IBD system. Uh, you know, you don't know that it's going to go down 80%, you know, but the system will get you out and gradually, slowly raise a lot of cash. And the same thing in, you know, uh, 07, 08, same type of thing. So it protects you in those really bad environments that, you know, those once in a lifetime bear markets that happen three or four times in your life. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. So I've, I've had two of them in my investing career, and, and hopefully, they're, well, I've, I don't know. Do I want a third? That meant I've, li I've lived longer, yeah. right? Because <laughs> there's going to be one, right. but they're difficult to go through for sure. Now, we have a, a chart of the NASDAQ, and on this chart here, a, a cup with handle is traced. And so if you're watching the, the video podcast, investors.com slash podcast, before those of you listening, uh, when you have when you get a chance, pull up an, a chart of the NASDAQ and there's kind of like a, a large cup with handle forming on this pattern that actually broke out of the cup with handle. And it's a little bit higher from uh, from the handle at this point. Yeah. So what brought this to my attention, I remember going to a seminar um, and because I started going to seminars in, in 94, 95, probably 95. For, for Investors Business Daily, right? Yeah, going great. and watching Bill and David Ryan at, yeah. at these paid workshops. They were called Advanced Investment Workshops then. And, and he had drawn um, the, the pattern on, on a couple of, of indexes. And I thought that was interesting because he didn't talk about the patterns in the book, but it was something that he would look for if he noticed it. And, and our, the 96 bottom in the NASDAQ, in my work in my workbook had that type of cup with handle and I, I remember seeing it I couldn't remember what year it was but it just so looked so much like the current market that we're in and so it's not unprecedented right they say history uh, never repeats but it does rhyme a little bit so you know for this type of comeback it's happened before yeah so in this for the 96 Nasdaq a vicious sell-off in probably three months three or four months and then another V-shaped kind of rally. Yeah. Just, and it does look pretty similar. And those who got left behind, you know, those who were waiting for the pullback, yeah. they never had a chance to get in. You finally got a pullback probably 100% later in the 98, uh, not the financial crisis, but the Asian crisis. Because mm -hmm. in 98, uh, late 97, there was a bear market, right, with a long-term capital uh, problem. And so it was a really bad bear market. But by then, the market was so far uh, gone, it di didn't matter if you, you know, were waiting for a pullback. You know, and that's why you wait for the follow-through day. Just allow that to get you in. That's the best setup to get you in to you know, start looking for stocks. Yep. And now you mentioned the, the IBD50 ETF, ticker symbol FFTY. And this is also tracing a cup with handle uh, and that recently broke out. And actually, I think with the snapshot that, that you took here, there's actually a, a couple of the handle that's traced by Mark Smith, the pattern recognition. Yeah, the Algo saw the, 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 the pattern recognition, saw it, yeah. Now, it's an ETF, right? It's 50 stocks. It's not going to be as dynamic as some of the really good leaders out there. 
Um, so it's not up that much. That doesn't really bother me as much. But uh, overall, looking at that pattern, I think about like if that was a stock, well, how would I handle that stock? Well, if I bought the breakout, I would I would stop myself out down, you know, five, six percent, somewhere in that kind of pink zone that Marcus Smith draws for you. So this is kind of gives you another um, possible market tell. If you're following this, I don't own it. I don't buy ETFs. But I'll be aware of if that comes back into that range, that's not a good sign for the types of stocks that we buy. Now, most likely you're going to get feedback in your portfolio, right? Because you're just going to be coming coming down there. And the indexes will most likely have distribution, but mm -hmm. maybe not. Maybe you get a total divergence where the indexes are powering higher and the types of stocks that we like to buy, the, you know, the leaders are coming in. And so this gives you another chance to protect yourself, something to look for if if you're you know worried about the market because you know everybody's worried about the market we're, we're all worried about the market you know it's it's just a natural inclination when you're investing to be worried about it and and uh know scott brought up a, a a concept that we talk about on the the monthly webinar the stay in step webinar uh about we look at the markets we look at leading stocks and then we also look at your portfolio this is something that we learned way back when, when, when we started out in MarketSmith. And so you're looking at all three areas. And as you mentioned, you are gonna, you're going to feel in your portfolio first. And uh, you'll also notice if the market is truly getting into trouble, leading stocks are just going to start selling off hard. Yeah, it's like a three-legged stool, right? right? You know, So there's a lot of factors you can consider when making overall portfolio construction decisions. Now let's talk about uh, the EEM, the the ETF here for the emerging markets, and so ticker symbol EEM. Uh, we have the so we're looking on a, a monthly chart here, and this is it. This is really interesting here, where it hasn't made any progress in twelve years. The emerging markets. Yeah, I mean you're basically unchanged if you bought it. If you somehow survived the the nasty shakeouts, you know, barring the the dividend that it might pay. But it's just, you know, the, it's been a U.S.-led bull market and has been for a long time. Um, I look at emerging markets because there's a lot of potential growth there. And there are some great names overseas, mm -hmm. uh, stocks that have done really well. So I don't think you want to ever rule it out. You want to be, you know, the world is, is smaller, right? We're all interconnected. So I look at emerging markets. Uh, you know, obviously China is a big thing and everybody's talking about China. So you should be aware of all of those types of things that are going on. And if the emerging markets ever gets going, you know, there could be some great names. There's a lot of ADRs in our database that, you know, you can participate. And uh, so the market continues to act well. And, you know, I said this last week and, and Scott was laughing when, when we were going over the, the notes. Uh, I hope to say this every week. <laughs> you know, the market continues to act well and leading stocks continue to, to behave as they're in a bull market. And, and so for those of you, uh, you're going to be familiar with this, but the trend is your friend. And a lot of times the best thing to do is just respect that trend, keep riding that trend until it ends. Yeah, I, I thought that you were looking at the wrong notes for the show because I'm like, I watched the podcast with Mike and this is the same thing you said last week. Are, have you not updated your notes yet? And that's the case. The market's kind of just grinding higher for, for a couple of weeks on end. And, you know, it, the distribution is one thing you want to watch and, and in your portfolio. You know, you should get some feedback there, good and bad. And then obviously leading stocks. Another thing that you want to watch, I like to watch the stocks that I'm jealous of. You know, these are the ones that are leaders that I wish I owned. 
one, maybe I can find a secondary injury, but also as much as it hurts me to watch them acting well and I don't own them, it's it's good, right? You want that kind of you know bull market going on and, and the best leading stocks holding up and acting well along the way. So they should be a part of your routine as well. So that's a great segue, Scott. So coming up next, we'll talk more about portfolio management and how we handle stocks. So stay tuned. Hey guys, Arusha from Investing with IBD here. The global economic cycle is moving into its later stages, creating a less favorable mix of growth and inflation. Central banks aren't providing as much fuel to keep things moving either. And market volatility has come back in a big way. All of this makes investing a lot more challenging today. Alliance Bernstein can help. AB is a global investment manager with the tools and expertise to get portfolios ready for a more difficult path ahead. That means finding stocks from companies that are able to deliver quality growth over time. Adding downside protection against market downturns is critical too. And even though interest rates are rising, investors shouldn't avoid duration in their fixed income exposure. The bottom line, investments will have to work harder to generate long-term returns, but that shouldn't mean that investors have to struggle to find answers. AB offers actively managed flexible investment solutions across asset classes. It's what you need to adapt your portfolio for late cycle investing. To find out more, visit abfunds.com. We're back with Scott St. Clair on Investing with IBD. And in this segment, we're going to talk about portfolio management and how we move into stocks and really how we concentrate into stocks. I mean, that's, that's a big part of it. Yeah. So our strategy is, you know, a couple of things. We like to own a concentrated, you know, a basket of stocks. And, and when you say concentrated, let's get a little bit more specific uh, Okay. There. So I think you want to own five to ten stocks, but you have to – you have to be able to handle the concentration. So I was watching a podcast or a video of Joel Greenblatt, who who ran a, a concentrated hedge fund for a lot of years. He had an incredible record, 34% annualized over 10 years, and he closed it down because he he felt like his investors couldn't handle the, the volatility oh, of being right. so concentrated. So you have to have a strategy that you believe in that you can stick to, right? And that's why the IBD philosophy is so good because it, if you can believe in it and stick to it, it's been proven through thick and thin, through all types of cycles. But you, you have to you have to follow the rules when you need them most. Right, mainly <laughs> you have to cut your losses if that's the, the most are going. common rule that you probably should follow. Yeah, so a concentrated basket, you know, if you can't handle the volatility of five to eight stocks, then you know you could take it up to fifteen to twenty. I don't think you want to go any further than that. In if in even academic studies, surprisingly, will tell you there's not a whole lot of diversification between 20 stocks and 200, mm -hmm. which is surprising. Right. You know, if you own 20 stocks and I own 200, uh, the standard deviation on our portfolio is very similar. You, you're only taking on slightly more risk than me. Right. You're going. You can only diversify that risk so, so much. That's right. And but if I want to raise cash and you want to raise cash and we both sell, you know, ten stocks, I'm in trouble. I haven't made a dent in my portfolio. I'm at 190 now, and you, you've raised 50 percent cash. So you you want to be able to manage it at a manageable level. And it's a you thing. I really believe it. You, uh, if it's five stocks, great. If it's 15, great. But you have to, to figure out that number for yourself, I so, think. So let's talk about kind of the ideal, like can slim growth investing approach that we do here, which is we, we want to end up in five stocks. Correct. Right. But in the beginning, like so at the beginning of, of this bull market or this rally or whatever you want to call it, uh, 
a lot of times you're not going to say, okay, here are my top five stocks. Yeah. This is what I'm going to go for. You're going to listen to the market. You're going to let the market pull you in. And you know, a lot of times for me personally, I, I might start off with 10 stocks and then the ones, a few are going to start working and a few are going to sell off. And then you really let the market tell you which ones you start to pyramid into more. It's a perfect strategy because I promise you in my experience of 20 years, the ones I think are going to be the great ones are not. And the ones that you're just you know lukewarm on turn out to be fantastic. And if you try to cherry pick it and say, I'm gonna put 10,000 in XYZ, I really like that. I don't really like ABC. I'll put 2,000 in there. Invariably, ABC is the, goes up more. Always works like that. I don't like know that. why. Yeah, yeah it's think, amazing. So you know, in, in our philosophy, you, you, you pick the same amount of, of money that you're gonna enter. Uh, so if you have a $100,000 portfolio, I think we'll talk about with this pyramid, right. and you're gonna own 10 stocks just to make the math easy on myself. Right, so well, let's go with the $100,000 scenario okay. here. So $100,000 portfolio, uh, ideally, you want to end up, the end goal is to end up in five stocks, right? So you want to have 20000 in each position. Uh, but in the beginning of a new rally, you're, you're going to let the market tell you. You always have to listen to the market and let the market tell you. So you may start off with 10 positions initially, just depending on what stocks are breaking out. And then we use this concept of pyramiding into positions. Uh, and and so we so on uh, on the video version investors.com <laughs> slash podcast the when you're when you're going when you cross the pivot when you that first initial buy point for a stock you you buy your initial position of ten thousand dollars fifty percent of your initial position so ten thousand dollars there if the stock moves up two and a half percent now you're putting six thousand dollars more into that. And then finally, if it moves up another 2.5%, so now it's officially 5% from the buy point, you complete that position with another 4,000. So that's so, how we build into so the So you mean 000. you? B I buy more of the stock at higher prices? Did I say it wrong? Yeah, no, no, you did say it right. Oh, I, oh, I, I <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I was, no, yeah, you are. You're, yeah, you, you, you're buying, you are. It's counterintuitive. If you really like it at 100, why don't I just buy it all at 100? Why do I want to pay 102 for it, right? It, it's so true. But yeah. the reason is, is, uh, you don't even though you you like the company right the the market doesn't care what you like the market's gonna reward whatever companies it wants to reward yeah so you're listening to the market and you're letting the market tell you what to do you almost let the market pick pick the stocks for you the other nice thing about this strategy is is the loss cutting rule it's i it's crazy to say but when i buy something i i really would rather just go down immediately because then I only have half the position, right? So it's good that to hear that you don't have that problem. Well, it happens to me plenty, right? Yeah. So I try to trick myself and, okay, this is good. I only have X amount of money in it. Whereas if it had gone up, you know, 6 or 7%, I'm going to have a lot more of my money in there. Right. So you can almost get in, you know, trick your brain into being okay with taking a loss and okay with taking the trade. Because a lot of people have that problem of, gosh, they just can't pull the trigger. Right, and so this half a position will free you up a little bit, right? It's, it's half the money you'd normally put in, and then you know, hey, I, if something goes bad, I've I've got a plan to get out, and and so you know you know where your you know your worst case scenario is. Right, and and another thing, speaking of cutting losses, say you put that ten thousand that initial position in, and it immediately goes down eight percent. That's only so now you're that's eight percent on the ten thousand, and not the full twenty thousand. Exactly. And so less of a hit on your portfolio at that point. And then 
for those ones that go from 10,000 and they actually start moving up, now you're pyramiding into those. And finally, you'll, you'll probably get three or four stocks with that full 20,000 if you're in a good market. Yeah. And you're just picking right. Yeah. And so this is your guide. This pyramid is your guide to, to entry. You know, buy them as close as you can to the pivot. Add around two and a half percent. You know, I have to admit, sometimes I get excited and add, you know, one and a half or something. But I'm always buying more on the way up versus you never want to buy more if it goes against you. Right. And and that's a yeah, we never average down. No. And and that's a common that's kind of a common concept that you hear over and over again. If the stock is going against you, we don't want to throw good money after bad. Something's wrong. Maybe your selection is wrong. Maybe something's wrong with the market. But we're gonna we're not gonna add more to it and try to lower our average cost that way. We're actually gonna keep go buying as it goes higher and increase our average cost a little bit. But the reason we buy a little bit smaller is so the average cost doesn't jump up too much. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's. So that's a huge part of it. The pyramiding in for the portfolio management. Now a couple of the other things: stock selection, obviously. Right, you have to. You know that, that that's a learning curve. Getting used to our kind of stocks, how they behave. You know, great stocks behave a certain way in in a good market, and so understanding that on the chart and then putting that fundamental story together, that's going to help you narrow down the list. And then, of course, the timing. Being there at the right time solves most issues. Yeah. So stock selection is important. I actually don't think it's as important as as managing the position. Uh, position size is much more important than entry. Mm-hmm. You know, and we talked about it. it you know, if I bought, find XYZ at 100 and you find it at 110 and I have half the position as you and you manage the position much better than me, you ride it to 150 and I sell it at 120. Well, you know, I found it sooner. My price is better, but you made a lot more money by being positioned correctly and handling the stock correctly. So most people, and it's it's natural, they spend a lot of their energy on entries and exits and they have a lot of rules and all these moving averages and and crossovers and things that are just so complicated when in reality the the key is the the position size handling that is going to make a difference for your portfolio. Yeah, and the reality these days uh, with markets, with with investors.com, a lot of the stock picking is done for you, it is. right? There, it's it's all a lot of it's automated now with just all the lists that that we're producing. The best stocks, the best growth stocks, are going to just bubble up right to the top of the list. And the the other reality is is that pretty much everyone's going to be buying at the same time too. But everyone's performance is going to be different because of that money management. Yeah, yeah. Th- there aren't any secrets in our database. There's probably a hundred stocks that are going to double or triple in the next. 18 months or whatever. And they'll come across your desk in, uh, with alerts, you know, screening, Marketsmith, Leaderboard, Investors.com. You're going to see these names. You're never going to be surprised if you use our tools. If you fast forward 18 months to say, wow, XYZ, I never heard of that stock, unless it was a biotech with no earnings or sales. But a quality company, it's, you're just going to come across a not going to miss the idea. The, the key will be is buying it right and hand, and holding on for dear life sometimes, right? Yeah. Managing the position. That's that's the difference. And, okay, so I'll ask you this question. As a stock is moving up, right, re- really kind of going through its life cycle of a trade, we, we've spoken about that before, what's the hardest What's the hardest part do you, do you find during that kind of move? I call it the pain of the gain. Oh, nice. And um, there, it's painful to have a gain. 
Yeah. Our ego so desperately wants to be right. Our ego cannot, I don't know why my ego can't be satisfied with an unrealized profit. I want to tell my ego, look, you did that. You made that money. It's right there in the account. Unrealized, right. but it's there. Yeah. You know, And the ego says, nope, Scott, something could happen. You know, It could gap down on earnings next week and all that profit is gone. And it just knows. So the pain of the gain, it's very hard to ride a winner. It really is. I know it's hard to take a loss, but our loss cutting strategy is so black and white. It's very, it's very mechanical. Yep. But to take a gain is is very difficult, and it's very hard to know exactly how to do it. Well, and then so you have that gain and giving back those gains, right? Yeah. When, even though the stock is acting normally, it's going through a normal kind of pullback. Giving back those gains, and I find that I have the same kind of issue there. It, it's it's really hard. So how do you manage that? Well, I like to think of it as like uh, taking a bite of the apple. Yep. And so you don't want to take the whole bite. You don't want to eat the whole thing. So if, if the position is getting larger and it's you know, burning a hole in your pocket, so I might peel off a little bit, right? And so you're constantly maybe just taking off a little bit of the position. Uh, if I'd been doing that throughout my career and some of these great, great big winners, Arusha, I would not be sitting here with you. I'd be on a beach, right? Do you want to hear the well, Apple I, story? I, I think that I'd like to think <laughs> that you would take some time off the beach and, and, and come here. You know, to I join drive us. you guys crazy with the Apple story because <laughs> I bought Apple in 2004 breaking out of that base. Well, and right? a sad, sad thing is, I, I did too. Oh, you so, did too? Yeah, so, yeah. If I, so if I held on we longer would, than I should we would have, both we'd be, probably meet each other yeah, on the beach. Yeah, at the beach. We could, how much Apple do you still own? We could talk about, right? <laughs> So it's it would be, and, and I just kid because there's no way I would ever be able to hold from 2004 all the way to now through the financial crisis, through all the pullbacks. But I, I also think, well, why why did I have to sell it all? Why couldn't I have taken off some along the way um, as the position got larger and the, and the volatility you know started to affect me a little bit more? So that's a strategy that, that you could use. You know, you have to have some big winners. You need a strategy that has a big winner, an occasional home run. Uh, it's the only way to win in investing. You have to have an occasional home run. So it's it's money management with an occasional home run. That's the key to making money in the stock market. Yeah. And that partial selling, especially if you think you have a big win on your hand, that will help you navigate those pullbacks a little bit better. Um, that I, And you don't have to be exactly right yeah, then. That, I think that's the biggest thing. You just thing. hit a key point that I love to tell people too is you don't put all that pressure on yourself to be right. Because when you're going to close out a position, let's say you bought something at 100 and it's 120, you're going to close that out. You put a lot of pressure on yourself to be right. Right, Because right. it's like I know I think it stock's going higher, but, well, the rules say I should take some profits at 20%, right? So you have that dichotomy that you're struggling with. And it, it's, it, you know, the market's tough enough. It's a lot of pressure each day. So you take a little bit of pressure off. Maybe you sell 200 shares. Maybe you sell 600 shares. You know, you have to decide for yourself. But when I do a little bit of selling, it, it's nice. I almost hope it's a terrible sell. Because if I sell it at 120 and it goes to 125, 130, I still have 800 shares right. or 700 right. shares. So it, it allows me to get over that fear. And so I think a big part of this is, and this is for everyone listening out there, is you have to learn how you react to stock movements, how you manage these uh, scenarios, because we're all going to go through them. We're all going to be in the next bag of stocks. If you're using our stuff, if you're using our system, we're going to be in them. And so uh, being able to you have go through those cycles, learn how you react to those movements is going to make all the difference. And in the end, talking about that difference, portfolio management 
That's the difference between having a good year and a great year. Once you learn that, you're going to get closer to having those really great years when the times are right. And we can all buy the same stocks at the same time, but the difference is going to be uh, portfolio management. Yeah, if, if you don't know yourself, the stock market's an expensive place to find out, right? Oh, exactly. So that's another one of my favorite quotes. I have hundreds of them, and I don't know who, we, we don't have time for who said that one, but that's a really good one, right? Because if, if you have a weakness, the market finds out what it is. If you, if you can't cut your losses, if you take your profits too quick, somehow the market knows and, and, and exploits that weakness. So you really want to know yourself. It's a key. Stock selection, timing, and concentration. That's the key. Up next, Scott and I will discuss current stocks. So stay tuned. Want to find stocks like the ones on this podcast? A lot of the best names we talk about come from IBD's exclusive stock lists, like the IBD 50 and the Big Cap 20. Whatever type of investor you are, we got a list for you. You can access every one of IBD's lists, plus stock ratings, exclusive analysis, and one-on-one -on -one coaching with a membership to IBD Digital. It costs less than a dollar a day, but for podcast listeners, we're offering an even better price. Go to Investors.com slash podcast offer right now and get your first two months for only $20. You're listening to Investing with IBD. This is segment three. And so Scott, let's get into current stock. The first one is Lulu. And the full disclosure, I own shares, Scott. So be, be easy. And I own uh, four pairs of the yoga pants. Well, they're shorts, actually. <laughs> oh, they're shorts? Yeah, which is why we came up with this idea, right? And, and so I'm, I'm really happy we have these cameras <laughs> here because now you can you can demonstrate this, we uh, were, these yoga pants for we us. We thought about it, but uh, I'm not very good at yoga, although <laughs> yoga is not something you have to be good at, right? That's one of the, the, the things they teach you. But I see these. I, I don't pants know. Do they, do, they, do they really teach you that, <laughs> or is that a way to get, keep getting money from I you? I think they've taught me that because okay. they know I'm not very good at it, quote unquote. So I mean, th this is a you're, you're a perfect example why why Lulu uh, continues to excite Wall Street. Yeah, it's not just yoga pants because that story has just been, been around for a long time. Expensive yoga pants targeted towards women. Uh, now they're targeting towards. You Man. can say. I guess. I guess. I'll say say it. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, even my brother wears wears them, and he doesn't do yoga, and so it's it's surprising. A lot of guys uh, like their product, and that's you know, and and we talk a lot about charts and things like that. But in the end, you know, one of the great things Bill says is companies, their products and services. Right. The stock's not going to double or triple because of the chart. Right. Right. It's the it's the company behind with their earnings and sales that are attracting the institutions. So. These types of, of companies are what you should be looking for, and then you use the chart to try to time your buy correctly. Yeah, and the best ideas a lot of times are right in front of you, or you're wearing a lot of times the best <laughs> ideas. And and so there are a couple of other interesting things here with uh, Lululemon uh, community events, right? So and you can speak to this. Your your wife goes to yeah, she these te teaches yoga as well. She's a school teacher, and she teaches yoga. I mean, literally for fun because uh, she loves it so much. And they do community events all the time. They'll, she just did one at, at, a, at a, a brew house, a brewery. So you, it was yoga and beers. Oh, so know? they're not doing it at their store. They're no, like meeting they, at a brew house. I, and I've done a brew yoga at Fashion Island, you know, right out in the middle. 
Yeah, okay. you, you you do it. At, that's the the fun of it. How many people come to those events? Oh, hundreds. Really? Yeah. yeah. And it's all sponsored by like the local Usually, Lululemon yeah, store. Yeah. In in this case, the one in Fashion Island was sponsored by the Lululemon store there. So afterwards, you go there, and they had food and uh, you know discounts for people, and so they try to you know get people to to come and interact uh, rather than just shop, right? And then they have all the, the people working at the store, so you get to develop those customer relationships uh, better. Yeah, and, and they have amb- what they call Lululemon ambassadors, I, pl- I believe is what they call them. So okay. they, you know, all the yoga instructors, are, you know, are, they try to find really good instructors, and then they give them gear. It's very similar to what Nike or Adidas might do with kids, right? They want them to wear their shoes. If you're Lululemon, you want the you know all the yoga instructors wearing your gear as well. And so now Lululemon also has a loyalty program, and I don't know if the, is your wife part of it or are you part of it. I or? hope so because yeah. if we paid full <laughs> price for all thirty pairs of yoga pants she has, those are expensive. I'm going to need some overtime. <laughs> you think I, it's crazy? You can't just have one pair, <laughs> you know. The, my wife. Well, you have four shorts, so know, you probably and, shouldn't. And, really and, talk. and I'm the kind of guy that will wear a pair of jeans for two straight weeks, yeah. but I can't wear the same yoga shorts twice in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody might notice, but nobody notices at the office that I've had the same pair of jeans on for two weeks, and that's that's their. Uh, it, it's pretty good the way they've done that, right? I, she, I, I'm not exaggerating, Arusha. She has 25 pair. <laughs> because she, you know, different colors at yeah, least. Or? Oh, they have amazing, you know, skeletons on them. You can wear on Halloween. Yeah, of course what? you can only wear it once Hall- a year. Yeah, exactly. So then you got the Christmas. Is there one for Thanksgiving Christmas with, with pumpkins trees, on it? Everything. You you name it, they have it, and and they've just done an amazing job. And we don't have a monthly chart here, but go to a monthly chart. And amazing how you know, the move that the stock has made, right? Yeah, and so Lulu Lulu uh, recently reported earnings. They reported earnings on March 27th. They broke out of a flat base. It was a, a breakaway gap on earnings. Uh, those are kind of setups that, that I like to see. Those get those, that, that will get a lot of these stocks on my radar. Uh, and so far, it's holding that gap area uh, pretty well. On the weekly chart, there's a nice weekly bar at that after they reported earnings so you can kind of see that too it formed a really big uh, cup with handle before that so everything's acting pretty well with the stock technically and then their fundamentals are pretty solid there too yeah it's a great example of the you know take a bite of the apple right if you bought lulu anytime in the last 10 years the, the stock's at all-time highs right yeah. and so you it's hard to sit through bases for sure. I, I get it. For uh, as somebody who experiences, I know it's really hard. And you don't have to. That's why to, right? you can never give up on the idea either. That's that's one thing that Bill was great at. They said is he would you know he, if he got out of something, he was always willing to get back into it, even if it was a few days later. If this if something changed, price action, the story changed, maybe they announced earnings. Right? You have amazing flexibility as an individual investor if you're running your own money your flexibility is is pretty much the only advantage you have over the institutions, right? Because they have access to all the information and boots on the ground and analysts. And so they they have a big advantage there on the information side, uh, but you have the advantage of being flexible and making decisions quickly. Yeah, so Lululemon is, they're taking this formula that's worked so well especially here, and especially in Orange County in, in uh, Irvine. But uh, they're, they're taking that formula, expanding it n- internationally, right? They're, they're moving into China, Europe. Uh, and so 
and that's what a lot of these great growth companies do. They they perfect the formula in one place, and then they just keep reproducing it, cookie cutter everywhere. And uh, everyone wants to. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is a large trend. It's a, a growing trend. Everyone, the health health trend, and uh, yoga. It's unbelievable uh, how popular yoga's gotten yeah. over the last 20, 30 years. You know, it was unheard of thirty years ago. Oh yeah, I mean. You could have ne- ten, fifteen years ago, if you'd told me I'd be doing yoga two, three times a week, I, I would have said you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go on to the next stock, uh, Stoneco, ticker symbol STNE. Uh, this is a Brazilian payment processor, and uh, a lot of the payment stocks, these uh, processing payment processing stocks, have done. I've been doing well for for a while, you know. Think uh, PayPal, think uh, Square. Well, Square hasn't necessarily. It has actually done pretty uh, decently yeah, coming off the bottom. Probably right? one of the best, if not the best, stocks over the last few years. Yeah, yeah. 2017, right? Yeah. And and so now here's a newer company, Stone, uh, that just went public. And Scott, you were in this stock a little bit earlier, and uh, it's still acting pretty well. Yeah, it showed up on the screens, you know, the yeah. growth 250 screen, the, the you know, the the earnings and sales screen, the IPO screen, you name it, you're going to find it uh, all those ways. What caught me off guard was that Buffett, you know, and I don't think it was probably wasn't Warren Buffett himself who made the decision. He has guys who well, run, Berkshire Hathaway. Yeah, but, run yeah. money for Berkshire Hathaway, but Berkshire Hathaway has an 11% position in yeah. the company. And so when it starts to come out of that, you know, kind of area around 24 and move its way up, it's got all the trappings of, of a big winner. And, and so you, you want to be aware of those types of things. And uh, apparently T. Rowe Price has a 24% stake in it, wow. maybe spread out amongst their funds. All the different funds. And then Fidelity also has it too. So you have the, the large institutions, the I in Can Slim that we look for. They're, they're invested in it. Uh, you, Scott, you had a great story with this stock, with um, that relating to the stock with Jim Rogers. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast because I've been doing a lot of listening to podcasts, um, including yours. That's, cool. yeah. that's, that's nice to hear. Doing my homework, right? right? <laughs> well, I have quite a commute home, so I listen to a lot of podcasts uh, on the way home. And he said he, uh, he was in China trying to buy an ice cream and couldn't. Jim Rogers uh, worked for Soros, his famous investor. Couldn't buy an ice cream because he didn't have um, the mobile app on his phone. He only had money, right? And mm-hmm. and the the lady at the uh, there at the ice cream sh- shop just said, I, "I I can't take your money." So she just gave him the ice cream, and it made me think about like where the world is going. You know, with my kids and money, there. You know, I carry around cash, and you guys make fun of me, right? I never carry around cash. Yeah. I, I go to Scott. Scott's my walking ATM. I, I'm a little older, so I like cash. It makes me feel secure. I hate to go somewhere without cash. But my kids, they, they, they know nothing about cash. They, they right? use the phone or yeah, or credit, credit card. Yeah, and you know, and if I tell them I don't have money, they don't understand that. No, no, Daddy, you have money. <laughs> you put, put your phone out. You know that that one doesn't work anymore. That's the one my mom used for years on me, and why she didn't buy me anything, right? Why well, I don't have any money on me, right? But you can't use that anymore. So the whole world is going to mobile payments. So these types of, of companies you want to be, be aware of. And, and I don't know where Stoneco is going f- for sure, but it's got quite the sponsorship, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Berkshire's in there. And the chart's acting great. Now, it needs a base, right? Yes. If you don't already own it, uh, it's in no man's land is what I would call it. There's no place for you to buy it. 
They just did a secondary, which kind of put a, a lid on the stock uh, at, at around $40. So, But it's showing up on your screen, and if it builds a, a base and earnings last quarter up 400% plus, you know, it's got all the trappings of a canceling stock. Let's go to our final stock, a DocuSign, uh, ticker symbol D-O-C-U. And uh, this is another uh, this is another company that that I own shares full disclosure on. Um, now these guys, I, I used them year uh, a number of years ago when when, when I bought a place, and uh, it was a lot easier than the first place <laughs> first place I bought like 15 years ago, uh, where you didn't have to sign all the papers. You don't have to go, go and meet and have this big meeting and, and spend hours signing it. You could just do it on a computer and kind of use the mouse to click through and, and then it automatically signs uh, at the, the appropriate places. So it improves the document signing, e-signature, they're in the cloud, so it's much easier to track the process and uh, retain the documents. What's interesting, they have already uh, 400,000 customers, over 400,000 customers using uh, their product. And so as a result, when more companies are using this, they're saving more money, uh, and they're becoming more efficient. The process just g- gets through. They don't, you don't have to set these big meetings and organize and get on everyone's schedule. Yeah, so I, I actually own it myself. And, and I came across the idea looking in um, the fund ownership. So uh, Fidelity Contra Fund, which is a really good fund. And Will Danoff has been following a growth strategy, you know, that our t- same type of growth strategy for years and years. And Will Danoff is the... The, the portfolio manager, the, for yeah, the for the contra fund, and and I noticed that he was in, he steadily increased his position in the stock for four quarters in a row. Now it's not a big position by his standards, you know, for his overall portfolio, but that that type of sponsorship uh, gets me, uh, you know, turns on my radar. Earnings last quarter, you know, up five hundred percent, and you know they have they have that kind of you know are they changing the way we work, live, or play feel to it, right? That's mm-hmm. Bill's saying about you know the great winning stocks have that they're changing the way we work live or play right and and they're building a better mousetrap yeah right and and so they changed the way you you know you bought a house right right? exactly and they changed the way people are doing their mortgages and sec and uh, home loans and HELOCs and all of that so it's got all the traffic looks like a really large cup with handle that that's i think one negative for this right right now that that big cup with the handle 49% 49% yeah, depth. Yeah, how deep is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so 49% depth. Uh, ideally, we want them around no more than 33%. Uh, and so what that says, uh, and this is what comes back to the relative strength. Uh, when the market sold off, a lot of times the best stocks, the best merchandise in the market, they're not going to correct as much as uh, the rest of the stocks. They're going to start going sideways earlier. And so their depths, and think about all those software stocks that r- really took off, they they might have only corrected 25 30% yeah. and now and they're well into new highs during this whole time it's taken DocuSign, uh it corrected 49% and it's taken all this time for it to get near its new highs again or well it's still 18% off its new highs so it's still uh, a ways away and so at least from my experience when you have such a, a deep cup like this it'll try to break out it'll fail and then it'll build a smaller kind of more constructive base which would be great, right? And right. it actually did that, right? I mean, it's very subtle if you go to the, I think they showed the daily chart, right? Or or on the daily you have 
Um, well, daily, it's, it's kind of big. Yeah, it's yeah, forming a handle right but now. But the weekly had a very small handle, and so you had kind of a pseudo breakout a few weeks ago. Right. But yeah, I mean, the depth is a, is a little bit more than you'd want, considering, you know, the market environments. That's about, if the S&P went down 20, you know, you're looking at the full two and a half times, so or, or twice it. So it's it's a lot, but, you know, there aren't any perfect stocks, Right. right. That that's definitely true. Now now another week if it goes sideways, it could put in a flat base too, which would makes it even more ideal. Yeah. Right. You have the story now. You have a more constructive base. Maybe you have a, a more uh, powerful breakout at that point. They just reported earnings uh, recently, so back on March 14th they reported. So you don't have to even worry yeah, about earnings for a little while. Dodge that bullet potentially. Right. Yeah. So it's definitely one to to keep on the radar on on a quarterly earnings aspect, triple digit earnings. Yeah. Right. Uh, and the sales are, are pretty consistent too, and and they're in a pretty good group too. So uh, there, there's a lot of potential with the stock. In the end, obviously, you let the market tell you when to to get into the stock. Uh, so keep an eye on these three stocks: Lulu, Stone Co, and DocuSign. And you know these are ones to keep on the watch list. And if this market continues to act well, they may give you a chance to to get into them. So Scott, thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Arusha. It's fun. Next week, we're going to have Chris Gessel make his triumphant return back to the <laughs> podcast. And earnings season is starting, so we're going to talk about earnings season, the importance of earnings season. I know, Scott, you always got sick of me talking about earnings season in our webinars, uh, and uh, but we're going to talk about it here because you're not going to be here. <laughs> it's your favorite subject for webinars. Right, exactly. <laughs> so we'll talk about earnings season and also earnings gap. So that's it for this week's episode of Investing with IBD. I'm Arusha Paris, and thanks for listening. And for this week's notes and charts, make sure to go to investors.com slash podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.